1: When you're making love to her and you're looking at her in in her eyes, lean down and pray for her in her ear while you're making love for her.
2: It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who's actually in the arena. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is for you to become your best by calling you in to the arena of manhood, calling you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and calling you up to your absolute best version of you. Because when you get it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode.
0: Men in the Arena Army, we we salute salute you. Guys, thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. I'm Jim Ramos, and I'm here with my brother from another mother, producer, co-host, and the backbone of the Man in the Arena podcast, Dale Culver. How you doing, my man? I'm doing good. It's
2: Valentine's Day. Pretty excited. I feel love. Just love.
0: Yep. I'm doing a hundred reasons why I love my wife. I'm texting her a hundred reasons one at a time. So I'm on number eight right now. So she's nice. flying. She's off doing her job, so we can't be together, but it's good stuff. Hey, so I- I'll tell you when she hits the ground, her phone's just gonna go yep, I'm trying to be annoying. and yeah, in love. She's gonna so, be like, come on. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. Another reason why I love you. So hey, uh, I'm excited about today's guest, man. This guy is the real deal. He has a real story, and he has some great insight regarding men and the sexual life of a man, his thoughts, his actions. And if you're a woman, who listens to this podcast, this is going to be an eye opener for you. So hang on, sit down, buckle up, and we're going to rock and roll. So hey, you got a man word for me today? I do. Man, I've been thinking about this. I don't know what to guess here. It's I'm going to go with. Book. I'm going to go with the word oh, man freedom as that's, a man word. That's good. I think we've done that before, though. Okay, so I should choose another word. Yeah, bondage. Ooh. Am I close? Yeah, you're just thinking bad right now. Um, no. <laughs> Dude, seriously, you need to knock
2: it off. No, the, the word is struggle. Struggle. Yeah. Ooh, I love that word. Why, why is struggle a man word? some conversation here for sure. Uh, we, there's a, we all face struggles in life, and those are just that. We have to struggle with them. We have to fight them out, wrestle with them, um, and not just be complacent and let things happen. And just give up. we got to keep struggling with those things that that are challenging us, that we're in bondage to.
0: You know, it's really funny, like, uh, the things I used to celebrate before Christ, Mm -hmm. you know, I'd I'd brag about, I'd celebrate. I now, as a 53-year-old man, I now struggle to have victory over them. And uh, one of those areas is the area of sexual sin, lust. You know, I think a lot of guys struggle in that area. But it's a struggle for me. I fight, I battle. And I think that a sign that I'm a follower of Jesus is that I struggle with the sins I once celebrated. Does that make sense? Right. So I you know, I hear guys going, I can't find victory, I can't find victory. And what I tell them is, OK, but you're struggling to find victory. And that tells me that you're still on the path you need to be on. So mm-hmm. keep in there, baby, even if it's two steps forward, one step back. So hey, uh, I, I, do you have a shout out today from uh, iTunes or from yeah, Review?
2: You know, there is so much going on right now in this organization. Uh, yeah, so many. A- uh, it's aspects. really exploding. We have people emailing me in multiple uh, places, and and just celebrating things, and they're excited about things. It's it's pretty awesome. But this, uh, and I'm sure we've talked about this, but I don't think I've read this one. It's Logan Daly, and uh, he's a missionary in South Africa. Whoa. Uh huh. And um and so he just he just said, hey, this has been a great help and helps uh, with staying strong.
0: Well, you know, we just launched our second team in Zambia, Africa. And to all of you who are missionaries and in underdeveloped countries, all of our resources are free to you electronically. We want to help you to impact the lives of men and those they love. So if you're a missionary or if you're in an underdeveloped country, please get a hold of us. We will send you our curriculum stuff so you can launch a team and impact the men uh, in your nation. So we love that. And I don't
2: know what's going on, but I have all of a sudden a whole bunch of Christian men in, in Africa
0: adding me on Facebook.
2: Yeah, man, there's a huge need over there. Uh, uh, Joshua,
0: Fe- Joshua Fury, who's one of our guys who's got two teams going in Zambia, he said, man, we really need to help our men. Uh, understand work and loving their wives. It's a huge problem. And so really, really excited about that. Hey, I'm excited about today's guest, man. Uh, This guy lives in Parker, Colorado. He's 45 years old. His name is Kirk Samuels. And uh, he's been an author speaker for the last four years. And he's written the book, which we're going to talk about today, For Your Eyes Only, The Inside Scoop About Men, Porn, and Marriage. His passion is to influence a world by teaching and inspiring men how to live free of internet pornography. Man, this guy... Uh, is the real deal and his book was is is like he's very vulnerable and open with his story which I really appreciate I think it gives freedom to men who are struggling to say hey uh, this guy can really help me so I want to welcome to our show our new friend Kirk Samuels. How you doing my friend?
1: I'm doing fantastic man and just hearing that you're 53 years old I'm like man there's still a chance for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're like a young pup. You're you're Dale's age, like, right?
1: I, I, I still got some. I still got some time left on the clock, man. I still got some work to do.
0: Oh man, I was, must I, be forty. I, I, yeah, he's forty-five. Oh. Yeah, I was. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll,
1: yeah. Be, uh, I'll be forty-six here next month, man. Yeah,
0: he's way older than me. He's way older. Like my birthday's not <laughs> till <laughs> August. Oh man. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, I was in Never. spin class last night, and I've got this new uh, MyZone app for our, all the guys at the gym, and I, my heart rate was in. The red zone for like twenty minutes of the class, and people thought I was going to drop over. I'm like, I'm just going hard, baby, <laughs> just going hard. So, hey, Kirk, we're going to throw you into the rapid fire round. Bring and it. Are you ready for this? Okay, man. So what I what I've done is for you, bro. I've I've created a round I've never done before, and it is called the explain it round. Okay. So I've pulled some phrases out of your book that I thought were really powerful, phrases or words. I just want you to explain it. And we're going to go back and probably hit on some of these words again, but I think that repetition is really good practice for us. So here's your first, this is a phrase. Hey,
1: before we, before we get started, before we get started, I need to ask, can I be real on this podcast?
0: Oh, totally! No, no, no! Let's do right. it up. Oh, I'll just, I yeah.
1: just want to know if we can keep it real, man. I just want to know if we can keep it real. Oh, that's All the right. only—that's the right. only
0: reason you're on the show, man. No, only. Right, hey, I, got the, I got
1: the green light. Let's rock and roll. You can't shake be your bake. best.
0: You can't be your best version if you are not real. We don't want any All posers. Right. We want your best version of you, which is the real version. You, so, man. shake and bake. Are you going, Ricky Bobby, on me right now? <laughs> hey, man! Shake and bake. There we go, baby. Shake and bake, baby. Hey, <laughs> I got a new name though. It's like I'm calling myself El Diablo. What does that mean? Oh, something like crazy chicken. <laughs> oh, I that's love that movie. Oh, I love yeah. that movie. That's, what, that's from the movie, bro. Oh, Anyway, we got to stop. I want to get him in here. So, hey, so here's the first phrase, bro. First phrase is limbic system.
2: Right.
1: Um, and, you know, as I, as I proceed into the book, I always make it clear. Um, I'm not a doctor, lawyer, counselor, you know, passion, none of that kind of stuff. I'm not a neurologist. Uh, I did stay at a fancy hotel last night just kidding um but uh but i you know but in the in the process of, of writing this book man I did it I just I was kind of led to look up a lot of things and you know one of the things I looked up in terms of uh, or one of the things I came across in terms of the the neurology of how we're wired some of the things that we that we if you will struggle with you talked about struggle some of the things that we struggle with have to do with our natural biological and and even divine wiring and and, you know, and um, and so we struggle a lot of times because our culture has a way of hijacking our wiring the way we're naturally wired. It's not that it's bad. It's like money. It's neutral. It's how you use it. And so the limbic system is kind of one of those. And, you know, it's generically speaking, I'm going to talk really generic, you know, because I'm sure there's some neurologists out there that might say, yeah, well, you know, but um, but limbic, you know, part of our brain that, that generally is kind of referred to as, if you will, the reward centers of the brain. And so, you know, it's that it's that little, you know, the, the, the part of our brain that drives us, the part of our brain that that has, you know, kind of the key functions, if you will, the engine to why we do what we do. And I, I refer to it almost as like the engine room because gener- I used to be I was in the Coast Guard and I was stationed on a ship and and on the ship. Um, which on most ships, generally speaking, the bridge is kind of up high and normally in the front or looking out the front. <clears throat> that it would be mm-hmm. like your prefrontal cortex, which is behind your brain. Well, on most ships, the engine room is in the bottom in the back. And that's, you know, and, and, and I equate that to the limbic system kind of in the back, you know, basically near the, the kind of the base of your skull-ish. Um, and that all the engine room does is put out RPMs. All it does is provide power. The prefrontal cortex, that part of our brain that's in the in the front and the top, uh, it, it, that's where our, our our logic, that's where our steering wheel is, if you will. That's the the bridge house to 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 our brain mm-hmm. and to a lot of things where we drive that ship. And so, so in our culture, and, and you know, there there is science behind behind marketing and different things in our culture that purely goes straight to our limbic system in terms of if you will, subconscious is beneath the ocean, beneath the surface. And and so that, that subconscious part of us, you know, you, you walk into certain stores, there's reason why there's, you know, a fragrance counter here and there's a food counter here. There's a reason why, you know, when you go into a, 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 a model home, they have cookies baking and all those kinds of things. There's a reason why certain colors affect us. And that has to do with, uh, generally speaking, you know, the way our brain is wired. And so, again, limbic system – um, part of our brain that is generally speaking um, uh, subconscious, kind of the, the parts that we aren't necessarily aware of, but it's our drivers. It's where a lot of our motivations reside, a lot of where our memory resides and all those kinds of things. And again, you know it's neutral, but how it gets, how it gets used and how we use it is is the key. And so if I want you know if I want to go a diff- different direction, I don't stop the engine. I just turn and go another direction. And for us in the faith, that's called repentance. And, and so my motivation doesn't have to change, but my direction probably should in a lot of ways. And, and that's the, you know, that's kind of the, you know, that, that's the, that's the trick. I don't like a lot of the, um, a lot of the recovery models that just want to dull mm-hmm. our drive. That just want to, it's like a cancer. It's like, I'm going to kill everything, hoping I kill the disease or like chemo rather. Yeah, I'm going to kill everything, hoping I kill the cancer. Well, no. I, what if we just reprogram that drive and repurpose that drive? We don't want a bunch of weak, passive, sissified men. We want men that are on fire that, you know, you think about a guy that's, that's extremely motivated for pornography. What if you change that motivation to something positive? What if you change that motivation to... um to serving in the church or serving in the community or changing the world or impacting others or leading his family or all those kinds of things. What if he was that motivated, you know, to, to, to just, just go at it for something good. And so anyhow, all the way back to the original question, that limbic system being part of our brain, that is that again, is the part that we aren't necessarily aware of, but it's kind of the driver to most things that we do. And most of the motivations and most of the, most of uh most of the power that, that, that leads us to do what we do.
0: Well, you know, it's really cool, Kirk. Uh, I appreciate that you don't have all these uh, initials after your name because you just gave the best explanation I've ever heard in my life. Using a ship as a, as a word picture, you've seared that in my mind right now, and I, I never mm-hmm. could understand how it worked because I, I just think about that. I try to put my mind around the word and words, and I'm more visual. So I appreciate that, man. That was really, really uh, uh, really well, well said, my friend. So, hey, here your next word, here is the word, and this is my this is the word that impacted me more than any other word in your book. All right, I'm just being really honest. I was reading this book to my wife while she was getting ready to have her second surgery uh, a couple mm-hmm. months ago, and I had nurses coming into the room asking about this word, and okay. and how it related to couples, and the word is oxytocin.
1: Oh man, you know that that. <clears throat> You know, the guy, John Gray, that's the men are from Mars kind of guy. Yep. Basically, if you if you follow him and if you read the book and if you listen to him speak, most of what he talks about is around kind of the the, 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 the chemical ebb and flow of who we are and what we do, especially in relationships. And so oxytocin, uh, oxytocin is like the bonding agent for us as people. You know, when, when you when you're up at night. Uh, you know, when you're young, when you're newly in love and you're talking all night long on the phone and, you know, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you, hang up. you know, I mean, that those. <laughs>
0: that's what that Dale says to me.
1: Connection. Yeah, I, I'm sure he does. <laughs> <laughs> that's that. That's that. That's that oxytocin, that bonding agent that 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 us as, as human beings are chemically wired to connect. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, why I say we are we're literally wired for relationship. And that's one of those, you know, in prison, when they want to punish inmates, they put them in isolation. And so you know us as men, one of the ways that, that we begin our, our demise is to get isolated and to be alone yep. because we're meant to bond, we're meant to connect and so oxytocin is one of those things that that it's a foundation in our in our in, in our being, in our biology in our DNA we're wired for that and, and when we have that and when we connect in that kind of way, man is extremely extremely, extremely powerful. so when when women when they want to induce labor into women, when they want to, you know, I mean, when they want to do that, they actually give them pitocin, which is an artificial form of oxytocin. And when, and when the baby is born and when mom nurses the baby and, and the two of them are, are making eye contact, one of the benefits of nursing, and, and that's why it's recommended by, you know, by doctors, one of the benefits is because the, those, both of their brains are exploding with oxytocin. I mean, it's that bonding thing that makes a mom a mama bear, um and so when we have this in relationship um when we have this in relationship with anyone or anything it can be a driver that that keeps us wired together that keeps us connected now again here's how our culture hijacks that one of the ways our culture hijacks that is because you know something like like one of the ways to generate and to stimulate oxytocin between people is sex or sexual output sexual connection our our sexuality is is the core i call it like it's like our nuclear reactor of our aircraft carrier and so you know our, that's our sexuality and especially i mean men you know we're uh, men generally speaking are, are not um naturally driven to do things that that, that seek oxytocin mm. i mean you know women kind of are and you know but guys yeah you know we can go out in the woods and we can be we can be cool so um but one of the ways that I believe that that God kind of put a driver in us or, or some way to infuse oxytocin into our being is to make it connected to sexuality. And so when you express sexuality, physical intimacy, um, you know, orgasm, if you will, that's one of the explosions in orgasm of like, oh, I mean, you know, all of a sudden you just you roll over in a fetal position and put your, you know, put your thumb in your mouth kind of thing. But that's that connection. That's that. That's that connection they have. Again, hijack because when you're when you're consuming something like like pornography and you have that 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 same sexual release, my theory, my completely my theory, whatever you're looking at as a man when you orgasm, your soul creates a oxytocin connection with that thing. Like you are, I mean, you're are you are you're making deep emotional connections in that thing. And you know, and again, that when that oxytocin begins to set in, then it becomes a relationship. And and that's a lot of people don't understand that that porn can become and normally is a relationship for guys. And so a lot of wives will say a lot of wives will say, well, wait a minute. You know, he's cheating on me by looking at porn. You know, or the porn is I call her the IP mistress. Yeah. Porn is the mistress. Yeah. Porn is the mistress. But here's the deal. Porn was probably in his life before his wife was. Yeah. So yeah. who came into the relationship second? You know, the, she was there before you, ma'am. I mean, and so I, I'm not making an excuse for the guy, by the way. I'm just trying to put things in perspective. I mean, yeah. it's all about understanding. Sure. And so to ask him to just, just stop just because, you know, why can't sure. you just stop? You got to understand that he's had this relationship, this this chemically driven relationship, probably since he was eight or nine years old. But anyhow, oxytocin can be is the driver to all that kind of stuff, man. And oxytocin is one of those things that, again, is the core of relationship, is the core of bonding. And, you know, John Gray has built an empire, a business, a company off of talking about oxytocin and cortisol. By the way, I'm still going to oxytocin happens to be the perfect chemical antidote to cortisol. If you were to if you were to do a Google search on the effects of cortisol and you do a Google search on the effects of oxytocin, you would see that oxytocin cancels out cortisol. And so how many people in our culture have stress? Cortisol is a stress hormone. And so if I'm living a life overly stressed, you know, that is my escape. That's how I get out of that. Oxytocin is like a hot tub, you know, in a cold winter night. I mean, I can get away from the effects. (laughs) I can get away from the effects of stress by having, you know, boosts of oxytocin in my life. And so anyhow, yeah, I mean, a very key, very foundational.
0: So so a key to stress in a married man's life is lovemaking with his woman.
1: Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. So, I mean... so
0: well, here's a question. Here's a question. You got me fired up here. I, I'm so intrigued <laughs> by the drug component here. I've never, I, I've read so many books on this topic and I've never heard this before. So if, so for example, let's use me as an example. So let's say I've had, Multiple partners, sex partners, before I get married. I've had multiple sexual uh, encounters and multiple oxytocin dumps through those partners, and couple that with pornography. I've got an IP mistress and I've got other women who are mistresses before I was married, right? It's still adultery, the Bible calls it. So when I do get married, I have been highly influenced and impacted by multiple, multiple, multiple oxytocin dumps. Have they found any research that says that these events outside of the marriage covenant do physiological damage to a man?
1: You know, I, uh, I, I, I I've, the short answer is I don't know. I mean, I, I, haven't, I haven't come across research that, that talks about kind of the long-term effects on, on, on the, these oxytocin explosions. Um, you know, in in guys and that experience. But to your point, I mean, we don't even need research to, to common sense this thing out. Yeah. If you take the number of, the number of women that a guy has had sexual, um, sexual bonding with or sexual, whatever you want to call it connection with. And I mean, I'm talking like quantity. I'm talking just flat out numbers. Let's just go stats. Right. So yeah. Take however many, you know, you've had physically, and then take that with that actually is probably nothing compared to how many women you shared your sexuality with online in terms of pornography. I mean, guys will spend hours upon hours going from video to video to video to video, to video and each and every time bonding chemically, bonding emotionally, bonding, bonding in every kind of way physically with this relationship. And so just numbers wise, yeah, there's that many people you know, that are in the mix, that are in competition with the person that now he's married to. So in and your that, book, yeah, in, that makes it be more difficult.
0: So on page 49, you talk about Pied, P-I-E-D, porn-induced erectile dysfunction. Is that there connected to oxytocin explosions or what's that connected to?
1: That's that's more physically, that, That's and, and, you know, there's a lot of people that say P-I-E-D, um, you know, there's a lot of people that say that's a myth, that's a fiction. Um, there's a lot of people that say that same thing about God. I can tell you that I've experienced both. I can tell you that I've experienced both, and they're very real, both of them. Um, porn-induced erectile dysfunction has more to do with the uh, the, the mechanical stimulation of of me- through masturbation that kind of dullens your response to uh, to being aroused physically, um, and so it, it's not. I, I would say, from what I understand, from what I've learned, it's not so much. Um, I'm sure there's a, a, a you know neurological component, but it more has to do with the just the mechanical stimulation of, of masturbation. That's obviously hand in hand, kind of one and the same, associated with pornography consumption. Well, and I and wonder, basically, you can you can look at so much porn, you can you can masturbate to so much porn, so much that now you're not even aroused by a real human being.
0: Well, because pornography is not real. We had Dave Mendenhall on our podcast way, way back. I don't remember what number it was. And he talked about the pornography that we're looking at is not reality. There's a lot of drugs involved. There's a lot of camera angles, camera takes. And so we're, we're, yeah. we're projecting a false reality upon our partner. And because of that, he was saying we don't become physically aroused because we're used to a fantasy world. And you called it with your IP mistress. So hey, so the so the next so you talked about cortisol, the stress hormone, and I thought that was excellent. So the next uh, word I want you to talk about is serotonin.
1: Oh wow! Um, You know when when you um, when people are struggling with uh, with depression, let's say for example, and they take you know they take medication to help kind of regulate depression. Normally, that medication is is trying to regulate regulate their serotonin levels, and you know serotonin is kind of the if you will, it's the brake pedal of, uh, I call it the the brake pedal of your brain of like, okay, whew, cool, you know, we're good. It's either time to slow down or it's time to stop. Whatever it's that you know, when you ideally when you eat, you get full and your body says, okay, I'm full, so you know, brake pedal, we need to stop and slow that down. When it goes way out of whack, I mean, when it goes way out of whack and you slam on the brakes. And and you can't start again. That's when your brain says, "Okay, it's time to shut life down." And now you're in bed with the blinds closed, and and you don't want to talk to anybody. You don't want to come out. You're you're depressed. And so serotonin is one of those. You know, again, it's it's part of that chemical mix. It's part of that 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 um, it's part of that 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 chemical uh, journey, if you will, that that we all go on. And these are natural things. I mean, we all have serotonin and dopamine kind of going back and forth. Dopamine being the brake, the the gas pedal, I call it. But um but we all have these things kind of going back and forward and again we're not aware of it because that most of that happens kind of back in the engine room when we're up on the bridge we're not aware of what's going on back in the engine room so a lot of that Mm -hmm. happens making service but yeah absolutely serotonin is one of those things that um you know it's that it's that woosah it's that you know i I get to like i'm you know uh, like i'm good you know and serotonin gets replenished when you sleep so doctor one of the reasons why doctors say get eight and a half hours of sleep you know so you wake up with kind of a, a reset level of of, of serotonin and, and so uh, along with other benefits but but you know serotonin is, is absolutely huge in uh in, in what that balance is and so if you get a guy that's that's not sleeping if you get a guy that's you know that's 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 stressed if you get a guy that that doesn't have the ability to regulate the wind to stop then one of the things that gets out of whack is that whole serotonin ebb and flow, along with other stuff as
0: well. Well, so, that's interesting because you said our serotonin fills up as we sleep. So in the morning, theoretically, we would have the highest levels of serotonin. And another interesting fact is the high, we have the highest level of testosterone in the morning when we wake up, which could explain absolutely. a lot of the sexual encounters that happen early on, right? We've got a huge serotonin buildup. We've got a testosterone buildup. <laughs> And we yeah. want to have a little oxytocin explosion.
1: Yeah. And you know, here, here's the secret. Here's the secret for guys. Here's a secret for guys I found out. Women's testosterone level is the highest when they wake up as well. Oh. So, guys, you're, you're, I know it's our, you know, depending on what time you listen to this, it might be too late for the morning, but I'm telling you, you know, your best your, you, you know, your best time to, you know, to give that little wink and that nod, you know, might be as soon as you wake up in the morning. Uh, but, but women's testosterone levels are the highest in the morning as well.
0: Well, they're going to love our boots on the ground assignment for this week's uh, podcast. So, hey, so last word I want to talk about is the Coolidge effect, this phrase. It's two mm. words.
1: Yeah. And uh, that was, you know, that was uh, named after President Coolidge. And the, the story goes, it's kind of a – nobody really knows if the story is true. But President Coolidge and his wife was kind of walking through – um, some kind of an animal farm. I don't know if it was like a chicken farm or something like that. Um, and the, and the story goes that, uh, I'm, I'm, I might butcher it. So just bear with me, get the book if, if, and I have it right in there, but, uh, but the story goes, um, you know, president Coolidge was kind of walking around and he noticed, you know, that these animals were like, you know, having sex, you know, time after time over time. And, and, uh, and he kind of leaned over to his wife and said, Hey, you know, check that out. And, uh, and his wife kind of came back to him with a funny comment. Um, uh, but um, but the, the the whole notion is that when there's more um, more options available, if you will, when there's uh, let's let's say for example um, in in the animal kingdom, one male can get aroused and mate with multiple females more than he can get aroused and mate with the same female over and over again, and so it's kind of a biological thing, um, just from you know just. I'll say animalistic nature. I don't mean to reduce us to animals like everybody else. But it's one of those things that the theory goes that, you know, that a man or or maybe I guess a woman as well. But the theory goes that a person can be more aroused and generally it's used uh, to talk about men, but can be more aroused more often when there's more choices and more options. Hence, you know, unlimited variety in pornography. You know, there there is no end to it all. Every twenty four hours, there's forty eight hours of content uploaded. <clears throat> so um, so there's you know there there's unlimited variety, and that's that can be you know that can be a, a great source to getting all the things you get when you get that 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 sexual explosion through you know through uh, through something like 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 pornography.
0: Well, so let me clarify something because I know that you and I are on the same page. So I want to make sure we cl- clarify this. We are not saying to men, go have sexual par- uh, relationships with multiple, multiple women, no. and we're not saying that we're created that way. Earlier in the podcast, uh, Kirk, you said that there's a divine wiring that we have been given that makes us different from all other creation uh, peop- yeah. uh, creatures. Uh, in your book, you said something really interesting to me, and I love it. You said we're the only species in all of creation designed by God to make love and reproduce face-to-face, eye-to-eye. So the wiring yeah. is, is, you know... I mean, clitoris, g spot everything is like wired for the best possible stimulation face-to-face, where in the animal kingdom, it's wired differently. And wouldn't you also say, I want you to talk about this one, that unlike the Coolidge effect, we are supernaturally wired by God to have one partner for all of our lives and not multiple partners.
1: Right. And so, yeah, that, that'd be stupid to tell. I mean, any guy that <laughs> thinks your life is any guy that thinks your life is better off by just going hand of having random copious amounts of sex with unlimited. I mean, you, whoever you are guy, you know that that's stupid. You know that, you know that the, <laughs> I've been there, Yeah, I've been there, you know, at the end of the day, you never fulfill. And at the end of the day, you know, there's a hole at the end of your bucket and you're always trying to fill that hole. And so, yeah, that's, 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 that's dumb. That's actually completely not what I'm saying. When I say that's dumb, I'm saying that, that whole idea, that
0: concept, yeah, correct. that's
1: not what I'm saying at all. Um, I'm talking about just the, you know, how pornography um, hijacks, if you will, who yes. we are and, and ways that we can be wired is kind of where I was going with that. The, the whole notion of us being wired, we are made in God's image. We are made for community and for fellowship, but we are made to be singular and wired. in that. And, and in terms of intimacy, you know, I started going by the moniker, the intimacy incubator, um, because intimacy is the solution to pornography every guy that struggles with pornography is really looking for the deepest types of intimacy he's ever had in his life. Yep. Um, and, and us as, as human beings, you know, there, there's actually, ironically, there is a, you know, I'm, I'm still on the, on the, on the learning journey. There is another species, one other species on earth that, that regularly has sex, if you will, facing each other. And really? that is a, a breed of chimp called a bonobo. Oh, wow. Um, and so they they do that regularly, but but there's no there's no eye to eye or facial contact. They just happen to be facing the same direction. Um, we as human beings actually go belly to belly, chest to chest, lung to lung, face to face, lips to lips, eye to eyes. I mean, when when we when we, it, it, when we have sex, and so that's that's one of those you know that's one of those that's one of those unique uniquenesses about us where. Yes, I mean, that, that, other, that other remote breed of chimp will have sex face-to-face, facing the same direction. But we literally have sex face-to-face. We literally kiss. We literally make contact beyond just the physical. Even that other breed, when they have sex facing the same direction, it's still, you know, they're just kind of all over the place. And then they turn around and, you know, go do it somewhere else. We are wired for not only connection, but we're wired for intimacy. And, and, and the way we are wired sexually uh, for intimacy. God is intimate. God is relate. God himself is relationship. I mean the nature of God, the the being of God is, is a trinity. God lives in complete complete holistic relationship and, and and we're made in the image of God in that way that we have a you know we have a mind, we have a, a body, you know we have a, we have a mind, body and spirit and as holistic beings, we're best when all of those are connected to one person that also has all of those connected to us. But, hey. uh, but yeah, hey. we're wired. We're absolutely wired in, in that way for that purpose.
0: Man, I'm really intrigued by this. This is some good stuff. Hey, we're going to take a short break here from our sponsor, and we're going to be right back at you. The Men in the Arena is a nonprofit organization with a mission to help men become their best version and change their world. The war to change your world is epic. Every battle counts, and every man in the arena matters. Our closed Facebook forum for men, appropriately called Men in the Arena, is a great way for you to dialogue about manhood with men from around the world. There we have lively discussions on every topic of manhood imaginable. Join that group today. Hey, because of my passion to see men get out of the bleachers into the arena, I want to offer a free resource to all men who visit our website at meninthearena.org. Simply give us your email. We'll send you a PDF copy of the field guide. This is my 365-day bathroom book for men. It's a study of manly words in the Bible, illustrated with great stories. This is a great resource for all of our arena men. Guys, you're going to love this book. Men, the stakes are high. The pressure is on. Do you hear the roars of those you love and those in the anonymous bleachers pleading for you to get in the arena today? Because when you get it, everyone wins. Now, back to our episode. So another thing I noticed, uh, Kirk, is that, and I've read this in Jordan Peterson's book, 12 Rules to Live By, and he said that we are the only creature in in the universe that actually walks upright with our reproductive organs exposed. Every oh, other creature wow. is either slouched over or completely underneath them. And so when we wow. fell into sin in the garden, the first thing that happened was what? Adam and Eve covered themselves. Because now they're, they realize, oh my gosh, these are reproductive organs. She's going, oh, he's looking at my boobs now. He's going, oh, whoa, it's a little cold out here. And so they cover up. God comes in, covers them, kills something, something dies now for their sin. He takes, he something dies, kills it, covers them with that, which is a picture of Jesus to come, right, covering our sin. And now man is able to walk upright yet exposed. And to this day, obviously, it's inappropriate to walk around naked. You get arrested for that stuff. And so we have the face-to-face lovemaking. We have the reproductive organs originated by God to walk upright and without shame. And here's a question I have for you, man. I, I don't know, I'm just theorizing here. So you talked about this oxytocin explosion when we're face-to-face, lip-to-lip, eye-to-eye, chest-to-chest, you know, heart-to-heart. I wonder if th- this oxytocin dump is less than what it would normally be when we are in, let's say, doggy style, wheelbarrow, reverse cowgirl, something like this, where she's backed away from you. I wonder if the intimacy of that is, is less than a face-to-face lovemaking encounter with the, our one partner for life, our wife. What are your thoughts on that? And
1: uh, you know that that's a that's a I actually never thought about that. Um, and you know, first of all, I think it's kind of cool that you rattled off a few different sexual positions just like that easy. That's pretty dope. I mean, I got I'm mad I'm
0: respect. married to a wonderful woman. I, I,
1: hey man, I got mad respect for you now. I'm not hating. I'm not hating at all. Man. I, I'm not hating. I'm not hating the player at all, man. I'm not hating the player. At all. Hey, but but that being said, man, um, you know, I, I I actually never actually thought about that. You know, I. I believe in the right context um, yeah. of of relationship and sexuality, and I, I think you know, I think maybe God agrees if what I read in the Bible is true that you know that however how you connect in that right context for your sexuality can can benefit in all kinds of ways. I mean, I, I would not want to eat only vanilla ice cream uh, if I was if I was if I was at the store. But um, but that being said, I wonder if there's something to that nature i think if the core of your relationship is built on that solid that's that that solidity of your intimacy i actually think that what was lost in the garden what was lost in the garden was pure intimacy was intimacy in its most innocent and most pure form yes i mean you know i mean they you know god was there i mean you know he he walked with god you know i mean he was you know, and, and there, nobody was ashamed. It's like, all of a sudden they, you know, they were naked they were ashamed. Naked, how? Naked all of a sudden, you know, am I naked because I'm being judged? I don't know the theology behind all that, but what, but what I, I find that immediately, you know, the, the, the connection they had, the bond that they had, the innocence, the purity that they had, uh, that that part left in in, in the garden. And so, um, and so then, you know, Cause what happens when you don't have intimacy, when I need to protect myself, I got to cover up. I got to cover up something. And, and us guys, we live that day to day. We cover up, man. I cover up what I don't want you to see because, because we don't have that. And, and, and when I cover that up and cover that up, eventually, you know, for a lot of guys, eventually that, that kind of falls through. And and a lot of guys break down because we do live in that not connected, not relational, non intimate, uh, just state of being.
0: So speaking of covering up, in your book, you talk about when you make love to your wife, make love to her, eyes open, lights on. Now, women are funny. I'm only married to one. I've only been with one uh, as of as my entire adult life. So my, my question is she likes lights off and eyes closed, but I like lights on and eyes open. And do you think that this that a man connects more? I know for me personally – I can only speak for me that I connect more when I am looking at her eyes, telling her I love her, whispering how special she is during that process. Uh, I have a deeper intimacy there. Do you find that to be true, or what do you find?
1: Oh my goodness, man! I hope there's a woman listening to this right now because I, I want to give you, I want to give you some insight that you did not know before. Now, turn okay? the lights on. You probably knew this, but I'm going to tell you at the end of the book, I actually say what women can do that porn can't do. Yes. Um, based on, I mean, not that not that a wife can ever or should ever try to compete with porn, but but there are some advantages there. Here's one of them. We as men, this is no, no shock, no surprise, are extremely visually wired. Extremely visually wired. I mean, women would freak out if they knew how visually wired <laughs> we are.
0: I mean, they would. Are, they would not just, want to be that's, married.
1: That's the way that we are. We're wired that way, right? And there's reasons why. And, and you know, maybe God put that in us in terms of a desire to continue to to reproduce and to have sex. To you know, but but at the same time, here's a key for women. Part of the reason I believe, and and you know, I've talked to a lot of women that part of the reason I believe that women are more comfortable with the lights off is because of their insecurity about themselves and their insecurity about measuring up. And our culture has a way of telling women that they're not enough and telling them that they're either too big, too small, too tall, too short, too this, too that, whatever it is. And so our culture makes women feel insecure and feel not enough. And so she projects that into her relationship and she projects that into her sexual relationship with her man in that you know us as guys you know as much as we are visually wired they're having these conversations in their head while we're having sex that we don't want to know you know she's thinking about grocery lists and kids duties and all that kind of stuff she's thinking about all, all the stuff is like processing in her brain and one of the things that's, that she's processing is am i enough for him and so in her mind if the lights are off then you know then, then there's no comparison because he's not looking at me and maybe thinking about somebody else and especially if if she knows her man looks at porn then she knows she can't measure up and she yeah. shouldn't i mean those are manufactured women yes that's not even real it's airbrush and all that kind of stuff and and so if she knows one of the reasons she doesn't want to have sex with her husband who she knows has a porn problem is because it reinforces her message that she's not enough and so women ladies ladies if you have a good man if you i mean if you have a good man that you love And if you want to do something for your man as much as possible, have sex with the lights on, have sex in the daytime, have sex when he can see you and trust me, trust me, trust me. He's not judging you the way you think he is. As a matter of fact, the more he sees you, the more he'll get turned on by what he sees. And, 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 and the, the, the way that we're wired visually um, can actually play to your benefit. If you let him, see you and take you in. And if he, if you let him, um, connect with you visually, you know, the, the, the eyes are the windows to the soul, to especially, you know, to, to, uh, to a man's soul. But if you let him, if you let him enjoy you visually while he's enjoying you in every other way, sexually, you'll begin to tap into his spirit, into his soul as a man. And he will connect with you in ways that, that, that he can't any other time and especially if he can look you in your eyes i mean if he can if he can look you in your eyes and and if he can if if he can enjoy that moment if he can connect his mind his body his spirit all through you know all along with enjoying you with his eyes i'm telling you i mean most guys he's going to get up and break out a vacuum cleaner he's going to start vacuuming the floor or something like that
0: can i do the dishes honey
1: <laughs> baby what can i do for
0: you oh I mean, yeah but
1: let him let him see you, let him see what you're doing. If we can keep real. I mean, if you all are, are, you know, having whatever kind of sex you're having, let him see, let him visualize the experience and it'll stick more often. But you know, the very first V in my book is visualization. That's how porn gets guys, because it's, it's primarily a visual. That's how you ingest the drug. That's how you, that's how you take it in.
0: That is so well said, man. I mean, I just think that is, at least in my marriage, that's a truth. My eyes are always open. Her eyes are always closed. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but but when women realize how visual you know, you, we are. You don't, want a, you
1: don't want a guy who has his eyes closed while he's having sex with you.
0: He's not thinking if about you.
1: If he has his eyes closed while he's having sex with you, he's he's probably not thinking about you. Yeah. So that's another. Women, here's one for you. Look at your man and see where his eyes are. If his eyes are on you, his, his heart is on you. If his eyes are not on you, especially in that moment, his heart is not on you.
0: You agree with that,
2: Dale? Well, yeah. Sometimes <laughs> so the eyes might be closed because you're thinking about your truck. So, you yeah, don't... thinking about something oh, else okay. so you can go a little longer. Yeah, but, uh... exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. You know, you got to do that. Thing. Dead kitties. Start Put down an alphabet
0: with different yeah. manufacturers. And the alphabet backwards: Z, Y, W. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Say, yeah, hey, so so. That, but- so <laughs> hey, this is so good, man. <laughs> I'm. I, I seriously, this is stuff that this is gold right here. Because we're guys being real, we're guys being honest. We're we're telling our women, women, this is a truth. We're telling our men, men, this is truth. This is really good. So, hey, Kirk, tell us. I haven't asked you this question. I apologize. We kind of got off track with the word, the word explain it words. Well, tell us your story, man, your personal life. Why the book? Why? Who are you?
1: Oh, man. Um, so, you know, I, I'm pretty proud of the fact at this point that I don't have any initials behind my name. Yeah. Um, everything that I say is not from what I learned. It's from what I know. And, you know, I got introduced to I, I was a, a hurt, abused, wounded, violated little boy. Uh, My father was a a Vietnam vet. He came back with PTSD and we all paid the price for that. There's probably every type, almost probably every type of abuse in our home, you can imagine. Um, And uh, I mean, to some degree, anyway, um, I was introduced to pornography at the age of nine. And for the next 30 years of my life, I could I was completely hooked, completely addicted. Um, And it cost me everything. It cost me every relationship I ever had. It cost me uh, a career. It cost me two marriages. I mean, at at my rock bottom, I was sleeping in the back of my car, and I began to I began to plot out my method of suicide, uh, all because of pornography. Um, I began to I, I said, if this is life, I don't know. Now I got saved at the age of twelve, so it wasn't a matter of salvation. That ain't like a before God kind of thing. No, that was and see, that's a that's another. You know, that's another thing that kind of frustrates me. Uh, for some reason, it feels like everybody's story is only a story of, well, there was that, and then there was God, and then everything was great. I'm sorry, but my life sucked, and I had God in my life. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So, um, and so, yeah, I got saved at age 12, but 30 of the first 40 years of my life, man, I was completely hooked on porn. And, uh, you know, that night where I was going to end my life in the back of the car, man. I mean, everything I, I had a breakdown of all breakdowns. And I say, God, you know, I have one of those, all right, God kind of conversations like, dude, this is real. It just got real. Um, either you hate me and you never want me to get free of this because I've been on the floor of all kinds of men's conferences crying, begging you to take this away from me. Uh, I've been praying. You know, the church has told me to pray harder. You know, if I just love Jesus more, then this will go away, you know, which I want to punch people in the face now when I hear him say that. <laughs> Um, I'm sorry, man. i just get real sometimes. No, this is good. um, But, you know, because some things are not that simplistic. And so when I got to that point, you know, and made it through that experience, I came out on the backside. Sometimes the end of your rope is the beginning of your
0: fuse. Yes.
1: And, and, uh, and so I came out on the backside and I said, man, I need a plan. I need a method. And I developed my, this, this method, I, I developed this plan, if you will, for myself. And it was my road out of pornography and so i came up with a score-based i know now it's called a a behavioral adaptive therapy or adaptive behavioral therapy Uh, but it's a score-based model similar to genie craig and weight watchers and all that stuff for how i measure my success in getting out of pornography day to day so every day i have a score i have a score system you know in in you know specifically built around my mind my body and my spirit and I worked that. And then when it then when I realized I was having success for the first time in my life, I thought, well, I wonder if somebody else could use this. And come to find out, you know, there's 40 million people in America that could use this. Um, and so I, I came up with a class called Free Indeed. Um, and then and I started teaching the class. That would have been like maybe four, four and a half years ago-ish. Um, I started teaching the class to other guys. And other guys are like, dude, this is dope, man. I mean, like, I'm like, yeah, this is it. I mean, I know at the end of the day, how I'm doing in this battle. And, and that journey with mine and other guys has kind of led me to say, wait a minute, there's an experience. I've read somewhere, I heard somewhere that if there's a book you've always wanted to read and it's not out there, maybe you're the one to write it. Oh yeah. And, and so okay. I decided to write the book from the inside out, like explaining the fishbowl from the fish's perspective and, and explaining that, you know, it, it's explaining what that is like to everyone around the guy and to explain what that's like even to the guy, because there's a lot of things I didn't even realize. And so, you know, so I wrote the book. I wrote it very easy to read because I'm not a good reader, I'm dyslexic and, you know, traits of ADHD. Uh, I didn't read my first book cover to cover until I was 35 years old. Um, and so I had to write it so that it was very easy so that I could
0: read it. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. And a lot of people say they get through it pretty, pretty quick. But
2: uh, but I wrote the book specifically from the perspective
1: of understanding. I want people to understand what his world is like and how he's wired, but more specifically how he's hijacked in our culture today uh, by things like pornography and how pornography can take over his life. And it's not just as easy as it's bad. You should stop. If he could, he would trust me. Um, He's not as happy as he seems. And it's not something that, you know, that he can just walk away from. He needs a real tangible holistic method plan to get out of this thing. And and it, it it's gonna cost it.
0: Well you said you said in your book on page seventy three, you said faith alone is not enough. You just mentioned that earlier. Right. And right. I love how you that real a statement is so real, because I believe that wholeheartedly.
2: <clears throat>
0: if love alone was enough, we wouldn't have half the church divorcing. If Jesus alone mm-hmm. was enough, we wouldn't have sixty eight percent of people who are Christians looking at pornography. And so I wish people of faith, followers of Jesus, right? I wish they would understand this truth. That the, and, the, and here's what I think, and tell me what you think about this. Faith, for me, is more of a catalyst to change and grow. So it's yes. my I, I change and struggle and wrestle because of Jesus, because the Holy Spirit in me is saying, this isn't right, grow in this area, encourage me to press on. What else do men need who are struggling with sexual sin? What else do they need? So I love your freedom class. Is that online yeah. or is that only uh, offered in Parker face-to-face?
1: I, I teach that class. I teach that class face-to-face. I also work with guys one-on-one. Now that class is completely portable. So, I mean, I can fly anywhere and teach the class. Up to now, there's a specific reason I haven't put it online. And and uh, that primarily has to do with uh, I'm, I, my heart right now is to get guys off of a computer screen. And so my uh. heart is to... There's something about being in the same room, breathing the same air, you know, feeling the same temperature. And so I do teach the class remotely. Like, in other words, I'll travel to teach the class to any group of guys um, and, and speak about it and all that kind of stuff. But, um, um, but yeah, so that's why the classes is, is, is not online because it, it, we don't need another thing to consume. That, that's not to say that at some point I won't put content online that, that can help guys. I'm just not there yet. Um, But uh, so but besides the class, you know, I I like to say that. and, And here's another nugget for women, for wives and women, that his porn problem is not yours. Good. Like that is his problem. That is not yours to own. That is absolutely his. And if he doesn't solve it, if he doesn't fix it, then you can't fix it for him. That being said, the problem is his. But the solution is both of yours. Because the solution is intimacy and relationship and connection. And, and, you know, as much as we want this guy to get free and as much as we want this guy to, to just stop, we got to understand that when he comes out of pornography, he's going to be broken in needing of some healing, in needing of some relationship, in needing of some intimacy that I mean that he's you know, probably removing something that's been in his life most of his life. And now he's going to need to turn to, I'll say, something and someone. Great thing to turn to is Jesus first and foremost, but secondly, the relationships in his life. So the guy needs connection. He needs needs camaraderie. He needs to link arms and shoulders and shields with other guys um, and walk some journeys because, you know, a lot of intimacy can happen in the context of manhood. And I'm not talking I'm talking non-sexual intimacy. I'm talking I'm talking. You know, intimacy of a guy being your two o'clock in the morning kind of guy, you know, a guy that you can call when you're crying and, and you know, this guy's got your back, you know, whatever it is, a, a guy that'll show up whenever. So not only does a guy need something practical like the class and, and like, you know, some things that he can use, but he also needs connection and relationship, um, probably a lot of grace. Uh, but at the same time, you know, he, he needs some understand. he needs you to understand what he's been through and where he's going and where he's
0: at. Hey, Kirk, <clears throat> one of the things that I've noticed, because I, I have a great opportunity to do a lot of counseling through prepare and Rich, which is I, marriage counseling, Prepare it's a premarital, pre-engagement. And so I have an opportunity to, to work with quite a few couples. And I'm not a licensed counselor, but I get to do this thing. It's just a computerized test. One of the things that I've noticed that's a little troubling is when men are having issues or when the marriage is not healthy, the women withhold sex from the man. Have, is there a danger with a guy who's struggling to get free from pornography when his wife is punishing him by withholding sex? What are your thoughts? Wow.
1: Um, you know, um, hurt people hurt people. And hurt men, you know, most men have some kind of a wound. Um, most men have a father wound. And so, you know, if a guy is hurt, unfortunately, the output of that hurt is going to impact the people around him. You know, this, this whole notion of toxic, toxic masculinity that, that's going around today, which I have a whole nother opinion about. But oh, either yeah. way, that affects the people around that guy. One of the the, the first person that, that especially his sexuality impacts or affects is his wife, or is the woman in his life, because that is supposed to be kind of the most intimate, earthly kind of relationship you have. That being said, so she's hurt and she's wounded. And so we have to understand that she's hurt and she's wounded. And maybe we're asking something of her that she can't give. And and we have to address that as well. So there might be two journeys that need to happen um, in terms of her journey and his journey. Um, Hopefully those journeys, you know, end up together down the road. A lot of times they don't. Six out of 10 divorces involve pornography today. Wow. Six out of 10. Mm -hmm. Um, That equates to 1,500 a day, seven days a week. Uh, in America alone, right? So um, so we can't just look at her and say, well, you can't withhold sex. I mean, that's like, you know, that's, that's very unrealistic and that's very unfair to a lot of women and a lot of wives feel that burden and that pain and that pressure yeah. to just give in and that's unfair to them. And so we as a church, as a group of believers, as a community, as friends, support systems need to take that pressure off of her, um, period. Um, if she loves him, And and if she, if she loves him as a heart for reconciliation, part of that heart for reconciliation should at some point, hopefully get to her need or desire to want to connect, to want to reconnect and want to reconcile. And however long that journey is that journey, you know, might be months, it might be years, but if she, if she has that on her heart as a journey, then hopefully she's leaning in that direction. And maybe she comes to him saying, you know what, I, I can't I can't give you that right now because that is a sore place for me because of the journey we've been, but I want to do the work to get there. Again, what he wants is intimacy. Sexuality is as part of that, but what he wants is intimacy. So he wants to be able to go to her and lean to her. He wants to be able to put his head on her lap and cry at the end of the day. You know, he wants to be able to tell her about his wounds and tell her about his pain and he wants to do all that kind of stuff so what he wants is not necessarily just sex and and if we if we allow him and help him and equip him to lean on her and others but in this case her for those kind of things that can help with the journey not only for his sexual restoration but the reconciliation of, of their relationship but it's unfair to just say to a wife hey you got to have sex with him if he stops having porn that's that's not fair I
0: really appreciate what you're saying here You know, you said earlier in the podcast to women, you said his porn has nothing to do with you. His porn problem has nothing to do with you. Now, if she can go back and remember that, that his porn problem has nothing to do with you, and then you said something else, she comes to him. So if she can realize, even though she's having a struggle giving him all of herself through making love, she can still come to him and dialogue, hey, I I realize this is your problem. I love you. I'm wounded. I'm broken. I want to walk with you. I want to be somebody you can invest in, cry to. I'll hold you. I may withhold from you right now because I'm wounded, but please let's work through this together. I want to help you. I think that is probably the mature response.
1: Right. Absolutely. I mean, and again, being able to lean in and being able to be, you know, to as vulnerable or transparent as possible. You know, intimacy is shared brokenness. Right. Intimacy is like, you know, it's like when 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 Jesus was 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 raised from the dead. And, you know, he met with the disciples and, you know, Thomas didn't believe and Jesus said, here, put your hand in my womb. Put your hand right here. That's intimacy. Put your hand in my wound. Touch my mm. wound." Yep. And so when we allow each other, when we allow each other to say, man, you know, I mean, be loose with this. But when we allow it, when we come to somebody and say, man, touch my wound, let me show, let me expose my wound to you and and uh, and and allow you access to that. And part of that, again, is just the journey of, you know what, I I don't have the sex right now. Can we hold hands? Can we go for a walk? You know, can we just sit here and can we just sit on the couch and. Can I put my head in your lap or can you put your head in my lap or, you know, something, you know, something else. The hard no, get out of my face. That's the rejection that 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 will send the guy kind of running off, you know, kind of off to the wolves. But it doesn't have to be a hard no. It can be a soft no of I don't have this. But what if we did that? You know, I mean, what if we just hold hands and go for a mile walk? How about that? I mean, we don't even have to talk. I mean, it's something. But you know, if you give him something, give him what you do have. All God asks is for what we have. He doesn't ask for what we don't have. And if you don't have it, you can't give it. But at the same time, you know, God says, if you have it, give it. It's better to give than receive.
0: So here's a question I have. So in your book, I could not find this anywhere. And from our podcast, it sounds like six years ago you had uh, an awakening or or you discovered some freedom. So in the book, I couldn't find out where you found your sexual freedom. How did you find freedom, and what did you do, and what do you recommend?
1: Um, I found my sexual freedom in my score system, to be honest with you. Okay, I, I mean, was
0: thinking that. I sexual, just want to make sure.
1: Yeah, I found my sexual – what I did was I replaced – I found a way to replace what I was getting from porn in natural ways. And and that and that's 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 where my score system comes into play for me and other guys as well, because all of the you know, I talk a lot about the chemical aspect, the spiritual aspect, the neurological aspect and all those kinds of things um, in in the book. And so I found ways to get all those things for the most part uh, to replace those things with something from a natural way that builds me up, that makes me better. Now I lost 65 pounds and I wasn't trying to lose weight. Whoa. I mean, you know, a, a, a guy that, that doesn't read very well is now a published author. I mean, that's not bragging on me. That's talking about the, that's the, you know, <laughs> it's for freedom that Christ said is free. I mean, you know, the devil knows that if we got free, man, there's books waiting, there's ministries waiting. You know, there's, there's, you know, there's a a, a changed world waiting. And so um, so I, I can't tell you that somehow I found a way to replace sexuality in my life as much as I found ways to replace what porn was doing for me through natural, holistic, godly, uplifting, edifying, building ways.
0: What I'm hearing you say is you, your replacement uh, was you were replacing isolation with something better exercise, reading uh, linking, locking arms, other dudes, you know, in relationship. Is that what I'm hearing? Is that your point system based on uh, moving away from boredom?
1: Yeah. Every day, every day it involves, it involves, um, some kind of specific activity to build my mind, some kind of specific activity to build my spirit and some kind of specific activity to build my body. And, and I, I quantify that with a number, with a score. And then, you know, when, Guys, when you walk into a room and there's a game on, the first thing you ask is what's the score? Yeah. Because we want to know who's winning, who's losing, and by how much. And so, you know, the problem with you know with just stop in terms of a strategy is that I don't know if I'm winning or losing today. You know, like I, I you know, I had a bad thought. Is that good? Or is that bad? I'm not doing anything. Instead of stopping, what if we start? You know, I hate stopping. It's it's I mean it's it sucks to stop something, but what it's a lot more energy producing to start something. So I want to start starting and stop stopping. So I'm going to start building myself up in all these different ways. I'm going to start doing, you know, I'm going to start connecting. I'm going to start building relationships and intimacy and all that kind of stuff in my life. I'm going to start doing all those kind of things as opposed to focusing on I'm going to stop looking at porn. Because if I say I'm going to stop looking at porn, then all I'm thinking about is porn.
0: (laughs) Yeah, totally. that's That's
1: like the white knuckle kind of thing. And, you know, I'm just playing prevent defense until I screw up again. (laughs)
0: I love that. I love that.
1: I also, I also don't measure how long it's been. Like I got, you know, 632 days and I don't do that kind of stuff, man. That to me, that focuses on the last time I failed. I'm focusing on today and tomorrow. What's my score this week? And, and, you know, sanctification is a daily, weekly, monthly kind of yearly journey of, of, of transformation.
0: No, that's really good, man. So here's a question I have for you. So you talk in your book about the sex addict versus the porn addict, and oh, would you, man. would you say would you say though that there's a third component to this, and that's like a, a guy with a porn problem, or would you like a porn hobby, or would you say a hobbyist is an addict? How do you differentiate between those three guys?
1: Okay, I sat down with a guy. Uh, man. Uh, I hate being so transparent. Um, <laughs> I sat down with a guy who was like really big in the anti-porn industry, right? Um, and just kind of sat in his office and I just kind of wanted to meet and kind of talk about what I'm doing, blah, blah, blah. This guy was pretty arrogant and kind of blew me off. And, you know, I was just like, basically, you know, I was something he was checking off in his day. And and uh, his big thing was, you know, he hadn't looked at porn in 25 or 30 years. And, you know, and so I was, I, as soon as he said that, I was like, oh, in my mind, I thought,
0: Liar. Well, that means
1: you've never seen. Well, no, no, no. I, no, I believed him. But what I thought was, that means you've never seen it on a screen.
0: Oh, ooh.
1: That means you've never seen it on a computer screen. Yeah. And that means you've never consumed broadband internet pornography. You've never had pornography in your pocket 24 hours a day on your cell phone. Yeah. So, you know, and so, th- you know, there, there's a there's kind of a common theme that, you know, that somehow longevity uh, really means something. And and so I'm working my way to the answer. Um, And so in terms of sex addict and porn addict, first of all, I don't think there's a hobby in with with broadband Internet pornography. I think maybe when it was magazines or maybe when you had to rewind the video or when you had to return it to the store and all that kind of stuff, maybe. But today, this type of porn, man, this is crack. There's no. (laughs) Yeah, there's no there's no recreational crack. Yeah, you don't know a crackhead that only does it part time. I mean that that I grew up in a hood, right? I mean, and and crack is one of them. I've had a guy that told me it went through one of my classes. He said he quit crack, and quitting crack was harder than quitting today's porn. Whoa! I mean, and and uh, and so I don't believe there's a recreational broadband porn. Well, because I only look at it one hour. Does that mean I'm you know okay, dude? In that one hour, you can consume so much porn. I mean, you can go through an unlimited amount of different videos and different scenarios and all that kind of stuff. And, and it's, it's one of those things that it, it, I just don't believe that that's possible. That being said, I think I personally think there's a difference again, I'm not psychologist, neurologist, psychiatrist, whatever. I think there's a difference between porn addict and sex addict because how can you say that a nine year old kid who's never seen a naked woman is a sex addict? When he's not having sex, he's never had sex. Oh. Now I'm talking about, from the, I'm talking about from the consumer perspective. I understand that the, that the, um, that the, that the baseline, that the background of it, I understand that the, uh, uh there's a word that's escaping me, but I, I understand kind of the, the core root of it all is kind of the same in terms of, of the makeup. But I'm talking about, if you want to reach a guy, if you want to reach a guy that's struggling with pornography, don't call him a sex addict. Because he'll tell you, I'm not even having sex, dude. That's my problem. <clears throat> if I would just have sex, which is not true, but in his mind, if I'm having sex, then then all of this would go away. That's not the case. But if you want to reach the guy, reach him where he is, which his his problem is with pornography. His problem is with struggling with with that thing specifically. Um, and, and so I kind of I kind of push back on on the 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 uh, the terminology of the both. I, I like to say the example is my last name is Samuels, right? I have a brother. I have one brother, a sibling. His last name is Samuels, so we have the same last name. But if we're in a crowded room, and if he was in a crowded room and somebody yelled Kirk, he wouldn't turn around. <clears throat> Other than Kirk is not a very common name, but and maybe he's like oh well, my brother, but that's not him. So we might be in the same family, but different identities within the family. So you know the the two the two addict sex addict porn addict they might have the same uh, the same makeup in terms of you know, the, the, at the core of the psychology and neurology, they may have the same, you know, the same foundational struggles from treating them. But if you want to connect with them, if you want to have them identify with you or you want to identify with them, don't call the porn addict guy a sex addict because he says, dude, that's not me. Sex addict is a guy buying prostitutes and contributing with human trafficking. And all he rationalizes all that kind of stuff. So you lost him as soon as you call him a sex
0: addict. Man, I'll tell you what, <clears throat> I really appreciate your insight from a guy who's inside was inside the fishbowl looking out. Yeah. It's so good, man. Hey, how can our men in the arena pick up your book or learn more about what you do?
1: Oh, man, you can go to my website. My website is KirkMSamuels.com. Uh, pretty easy. Uh, you know, I like to keep things pretty straightforward. Uh, I went to public school, so I like to keep things easy. <laughs> um, but uh, it's just Kirk M. Samuels, um, K-I-R-K-M-S-A-M-U-E-L-S. Uh, I'll give you my I'll give you my cell phone number. How about that? If somebody's listening to this, I'm crazy enough to give you my cell phone number. <laughs> my cell phone number is seven two zero five one five six five three six. But you can go to my website. The book is you know the, it's on Amazon. The book is. Um, but uh, I mean the book is there. The class is there. I'm there. The email goes straight to my phone. I just gave you my phone number. And people are surprised when they call me or they text me and I respond. Like, dude, I didn't think that was whatever, man. Uh, but yeah, I'm pretty easy to get a hold of uh, for sure. Well,
0: that's what I appreciate about you and a lot of these other guys is that, you know, this hard to get a hold of Christian leader thing. I, I understand in the leadership world, you know, that's a great leadership move and how you got to go through your secretary to get to you. But we're the church, man. And so the church doesn't function like the world. And so in the church, we should get a hold of these people. And so I appreciate the fact that you do that. Right. My cell phone is on my e- every email I send. We're easy to get a hold yeah. of. So I really appreciate that, Kirk. So hey, Kirk, thanks so much, man, uh, for getting on our no podcast, doubt. for sharing your wisdom, your experience, your pain uh, with our men in the arena, and for being a man yourself, man. Thank you so much.
1: I love you guys, man. I'm 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 here. Um, and am uh, same team, same dream, man. I'm, I'm with you.
0: I appreciate it. Well, guys, hey, so your boots on the ground uh, action item for this week from this podcast is twofold. If you're listening to this uh, episode right now and you've, uh, struggled, you have struggle with porn or have in the past, we want to get you to go on and get Covenant Eyes on your computer. I think that will really, really help. Every one of the men in the arena board and staff have this on our, uh, all of our devices. So, Dale, how can they do that?
2: You can go to our link in the uh, Great Hunt for God app, and under the links there is the Covenant Eyes icon click on that it'll take you in and it's 11.99 a month two dollars per additional person or you can
0: do your entire family for 15.99 that's so worth it and here's the deal guys we're also in the process of rebranding so if you go to the great hunt for god in your app store and don't find it check out men in the arena so it depends on when you listen to this podcast hey so here's your boots on the ground moments part two so let's say you're listening to this podcast and you're saying man i don't, I don't struggle with that at all okay well here you go baby you can thank me later your job is to go home and make love to your wife face-to-face, eye-to-eye, open eyes, lights on, and I want you to look her in the eye and tell her you love her, all the things that you, that you love about her, and Kirk, give us some advice there, bro.
1: Hey, I got something for you. This is, I mean, is next-level Jedi stuff. When you're making love to your wife... When you're making love to her and you're looking at her in, in, in her eyes, lean down and pray for her in her ear while you're making love for her.
0: Thank Jesus for her, man. Thank you, Lord, for my beautiful wife. I think that is so good. So, guys, that's your assignment. Now don't go telling your wife I told you to do that. But, but because uh, I don't want to have some lawsuit coming my way, but, but you know, but some angry woman saying you told me this. But guys, do that. I think you're going to really be blessed. I know you're going to be blessed. And so, guys, uh we're also going to post that boots on the ground action item on our weekly equipping blast. You can get that by going to our website meninthearena.org, and uh, when you give us your email, we'll shoot you off a PDF version of my field guide, which is our 365 day bathroom book for men, and we'll include you in the equipping blast, guys. We have some amazing resources on your journey to become your best version if you haven't done so yet make sure you go download that app dale was telling you about join our closed facebook forum for men with men on that forum interacting from 85 nations around the world until next time feel the wet sand on the arena floor hear the deafening roar of the crowd taste the sweetness of victory smell the stench of battle get in the game get dirty look at your wife in the eye when you're making love to her grind it out and
2: be a man This is Dale and You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world on our closed Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of manhood. In our passion to help all arena men, we're offering an excellent free resource when you visit our homepage at menintharena.org. Simply give us your email and we'll send you a free PDF version of Jim's book for men called The Field Guide a bathroom book for men. It's a daily study of manly words in the Bible explained with great stories. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. This is Dale Culver signing off. Until next time, thank you for joining men in the arena from around the world who are becoming their best version. And remember, when a man gets it, everyone wins.